0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all, and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at betterhelp.com pause for 10% off your first month. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. Jonathan Pearce Eric has jumped in and kung fu
1: kick, a Terry Alderton Do you like shoes, madam? And Friends <laughs> JP The mad genius! And T to meet you, love, the Football Friendly.
2: Hello everybody, welcome to JP and T, the Football Friendly, the latest episode of our podcast. Uh, with me from the world of football today is Matt Beard, the manager of Liverpool women who took um chelsea to an fa cup final he took west ham to an fa cup final and he started the season brilliantly
1: with liverpool welcome to the show matt thank you hello matt glad to be here who have you got terry from the world of showbiz from the world of showbiz an old mate of mine actually uh, a very old friend of mine and a brilliant comedian i've said it about all the comics but this man is genuinely a fantastic comic he's an arsenal fan and all Arsenal fans know him. It's Mr Ian Stone joins us on the JPNC Football Friendly. Hello, chaps.
3: How are you, Stoney? I'm Hello, great. Stoney. I'm great. As you can imagine, I'm doing well. Were you there last weekend? I was. I was. And it was fantastic. And the atmosphere is great. And
1: uh, it's... You know what? We're just going to enjoy it as long as it lasts. I think you're going to be up there, mate, this year. I this year, have been able to tip for the top three there. Uh, you know what? We might
3: be as well. I, I mean... Jesus and Saliba—they—they've just lifted the whole place. They really have. But mm-hmm. but you know what's nice about it as well, the fans. is the fans feel like we've we've got a part to play because Arteta and all, they're all talking about us all the time. oh the fans are great. The fan and mm. and it, it makes you feel like you're part of it. And so it's uh you can't get a ticket down there at the moment. It's really fantastic. It is the place to be.
1: You don't want to be a root soul because it's the complete reverse. The fans hate hate the players. Hate the fans The fans love the players. But. They don't love the they don't love the upstairs Oh, no. Oh, no. We don't love upstairs. We've been there. We've been there. You know what? Yeah. It was
3: only about two years ago we were outside the Emirates singing rude songs about the Cronkies. Get oh, out man. of our club. And uh, now they've spent about 200 million quid on what seems like amazing players and we're all happy again. Stay in our club. Stay in our club. <laughs> <laughs> That's not quite come to <laughs> have even got a song about Planet Jack. We've, we've I tell you what, that story, that, I mean, I mean, three years ago, we all... I was at that game against Palace, tore off the armband and... We, the whole crowd were on him me included and now three years later he, he is the captain I mean Odegaard's the captain but Granite is really the, the, the man in charge there and everyone accepts it and he's playing great and um yeah, we've finally got Swiss international Granite Jacker playing. Yeah, whoever
1: that... said, whoever said football fans were fickle?d A load of rubbish that was. I mean, sorry,
3: this was on the back of about ten match of the days when Alan Shearer basically went, "Look at Granite Jacker's position. Why isn't he tracking back?" <laughs> so there was quite a lot of that. But yeah, it's all good.
2: Well, I went up to uh, Liverpool to do uh, Liverpool against Rangers on. Tuesday it must be a buzz around Liverpool Football Club at the moment, Matt. After that win, Rangers were really disappointing for me. They didn't they didn't get out of the trap, so they were very dull. But it must be a real buzz around. Do you have much contact with the men's team?
4: Um, I, I exchange um, messages with with Pep and um, Jurgen all the time, wishing each other luck. And it was a big win for them. Um, we, we obviously, after the the three three draw against Brighton and. The result against Napoli. I mean, the atmosphere in the stadium looked unbelievable watching it on telly. So um, I was actually meant to be there myself, but my son was ill, so we didn't go. Um, but the atmosphere looked unbelievable, and obviously the change of shape um, worked as well. What a start you
1: had, beating your old team Chelsea in the opening weekend. Oh, yeah, because you're really good mates with Emma, aren't you?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no, me, me and Emma are getting well. Um, <laughs> Um yeah no no it's, uh, it was it listen it was a it was a tough start for us but um especially second half it was a good performance and and I just think we we had a good pre-season leading up to that and it, it was just really important that we that we stayed in the game, especially going behind so early. I mean, it happened to me at Bristol City in the Continental Cup final. We went 1-0 down in two minutes after saying, stay compact, don't turn the ball over in our in our defending third. And we were 1-0 one down within a minute, and then I think we were 4-0 down within 10. But no, it was, it was a good start for us, and um, I think it's good for the league as well. You know, Man City have had a, a, a tough start. Chelsea have been a little bit up and down with their performance levels, but what you've got to remember with all these top top sides all their players have been away all summer I think yeah. they, they had them for one game so um. Matt can I ask you I watched the
3: the Liverpool game I watched was the game against Everton sorry and uh, and um, there's a kid who played for Everton uh, who went through on goal and put the goalkeeper on her backside and then left the defender on his ass. Who who was that because I watched that game and I thought she looks like a player that girl <laughs>
4: Yeah, Jess Park. So she's yeah. on loan from Man City. I think that was part of the, the deal when City signed Everton's keeper, McKeever. So, um, yeah, no, she's a good player. She's going to be a good player. It's actually, she's just been called into the England squad. So um, You can see the talent, you mm. know. Yeah, no, 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 she's a talented player. She's only young. Um, but yeah, no, she, she's a good player. And she, on, that, on that day, she was the best player on the pitch. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was.
1: Yeah. Matt, have you seen the gates go up since, uh, uh, the, since we won the European Cup? Have you seen uh, any change in the, <laughs> uh,
4: in the gates? Yeah, we have. I mean, we we had our record attendance at Prenton Park, which was just over three thousand. Obviously, we had twenty seven thousand at um, at Anfield, and then you've only got to look at the, you know, the North London Derby. Was it fifty? Nearly
3: fifty three, I think it there was. There you go.
4: Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, the attendances are going up. And uh, do, you, do you know what it is? One of my mates. Um, I worked with him when I was an estate agent. He was a, a, a mortgage services manager or director, whatever they were called. And he's a Brighton season ticket holder. And he went and watched England v Norway when we won 8-0. Then he went back to the other games at the Amex and he went to the final at Wembley. And I think he brought the season ticket off the back of that for Brighton. So I think what a lot of people have fell in love with in the game is just the honesty of it. You know, you don't get players rolling around True. for half hour on the floor when they get... Touched or kicked or whatever—it's just the honesty of the game. And I think our league's four years old now since it's been full time, and it's only going to get better. And I think you can start to see some of them younger players coming through. I mean, I look at that twenty-three squad, and as an as an Englishman, it excites me for the future.
1: I think it's I think it's amazing uh, the, the, the the change in in you know the picking up of the game. I think obviously it's been brilliant since the European win. But what it's always been for me, ladies' football, and 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 I think people see it more when they watch international football because that's what's been brought to them in their houses. It's, it's actually, and I've said this on here before, it's a different game to the men's, and I, and I feel, and this is no. Don't jump on me until I've finished. It's nothing to do with the fact that the girls are not as strong, right? So the play is different. You yeah. can't have girls whipping down the, the end and, and, and crossing balls in with whip, unbelievable pace. So there's more of unlocking, picking the lock kind of football, if you like, for me. There's more, yeah. there's much more into into little tiny interplays of skill, which I find really exciting. And I think it's a different game. So anyone who turns around and goes, I don't do women's football. That's how they all talk, by the way Uh, (laughs) you've got to say say, well you don't like football then because it's a complete it is it's the same game of course it is but it's a different game it's like watching I don't know women's golf is a slightly different game to to men's golf you know what I mean and and tennis and and on and on and on and uh, I think it's I think it's a fantastic sport to watch just my thoughts also uh, no, listen,
3: you know, I mean, my, Your old, dad, man, yes. my old man was an early adopter. Of I mean, course, going, years ago. He was going down to Boreham Wood 15 years ago, and he was saying to me, come and watch the ladies, come and watch the ladies. And I went a few times. Um, I mean, I've only got so much bandwidth for watching football. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> so much of it in there. Yeah. But when you watch that final, and you watch that, that the winning goal, uh, so not that that first goal, wasn't it, when the, the through ball, and then the finish, and you go, well, that's as that's as good as any football I've seen
1: it's typical though of women going look it's there isn't it you know the men are going where's the goal and they go look it's there just put it in there <laughs> just put it in there look. it's like a wash basket not it I mean, come on but yeah, yeah my, my old man love my old man loves uh, Arsenal ladies and he, he would still go I remember Ian's dad years ago. Saying to me, oh, you got to come ladies, football to me. And I was going, what? And he said, come watch the Arsenal ladies. And I remember at that time it being absurd. I was just like, what are you talking about? You go and watch You can't help thinking, what? what is a middle-aged man at the time, of course, going and watch... Young girls playing football. Hey, do you wanna hear a, do you wanna hear a story? This is and by the way, you've got to wait
3: till the end, right? He okay. says to me, he goes to me, he goes, the thing is, he goes, I've been scouting for Arsenal ladies. He says to me, by the way, my old man's ninety, he goes, I've been scouting for Arsenal ladies. I've been looking at fifteen-year-old girls, is what he says, right? <laughs> I says to him, Dad, Dad. People who don't, people who know you will know that that is a perfectly innocent comment. But people who don't know you, they might take that the wrong way. And he looked at me, went, "They do." <laughs> Bless him, right? But he loves, he loves watching the ladies. I mean, it's it's really the first result. And when I when England won in the Euros, I, he was the first phone call I made because you know I knew he'd been made up. I knew he'd been made up. You know, he watched Jill Scott hundreds of times for the Arsenal. So, mm, uh, mm. no, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and oh, here's a question, though, Matt, actually, on, on the ladies' football, because I always thought, I mean, the attendances are going up, but are, are there enough fans of, of, uh, of uh, women's football who will, who will go to Stoke on a Tuesday night for a meaningless League Cup tie? I suppose is my question.
4: I think the answer to that is yes. I think we last year, but like we we had a really good following, home and away, whether that was midweek or whether that was on a Sunday. The biggest thing now is the exposure. Like before everything, two, three, four years ago, like you had the odd game on TV, the international games were on telly. But now it's on Sky, it's on BBC. People know when the games are. Um, this is exposure, and and the fan base is growing and it's interesting listening to you you lot talk about obviously women's football and your thoughts on the euro specifically and what it's done and and the type of game that the women's game is but yeah, hundred percent yes and it's only it's only going to keep going in in that direction as well. One thing, one thing that I would point out that I started covering women's football over a decade ago
2: now with England and did, did the World Cups and the European championships and so on, and I was involved again commentating for the BBC in the world. We had we had hundreds of thousands watching the final around the world. It was staggering, really. But the, the women haven't changed. So in Canada, for example, in 2015, we travelled together. You know, we'd be in airports together, and they'd come up and chat, and they were interested that I was doing it. You wouldn't get that with the men, really. You might have done, say, 19, 1988 when I started covering the international football, but you wouldn't get that with the men, and and that hasn't changed. You still, If I saw Ellen White somewhere, you know, she's a superstar now, and uh, she hasn't changed. I remember Matt, right, he got uh, West Ham to the FA Cup final in um, 2019 against Manchester City, and I remember speaking to you, Matt, and I said, can you give me a brief on your team? And there was no problem. Yeah. You know, you chatted to me, and we, I think we chatted on the pitch, didn't we? And then, yeah, and then, exchanged messages afterwards. And that that hasn't changed. You know, that's that's you, you don't get that in the men's game nowadays. And uh, it's real
4: old school, and it's it's lovely, really, to to be involved. I hope it doesn't change, mate. I really hope it doesn't. I, I I don't think it will. I I think the the biggest thing that you see is. Is the bond between the players and the supporters? And yes. Yeah, you won't get it anywhere else. Um, you know, like my players sometimes spend an hour after the game signing autographs, taking pictures with 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 fans, um, and, and and you see it every single um, every single game. And uh, with the teams, I, I remember when I was at Boston Breakers in America, we had something called Autograph Alley, and it, 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 I remember when we played. Orlando Pride and Alex Morgan was there. I've never seen so many people waiting just to see one person, and it, it, it was just amazing. But she spent probably an hour, hour and a half, just spending time with with all the people that come out to see her. It was, it was just amazing to see, and that I don't think that will ever change. I don't think they don't that will take it play. for
3: granted, do they? Really, that's the point.
4: What, no, what did you know. learn? What did you learn out in Boston, Matt? Um, what did I learn in Boston? So much. This, I, I, I chose a real tough job to go to. They, they How did you get to that in the first place? Can I ask you that, Matt? Sorry. So Mark Parsons was the manager of, um, he was at Washington Spirit and then he went to Portland Fawns. Um, he worked with me at Chelsea and at that time at Liverpool, um, I'd won most things. So I wanted to try something different and the kids were young enough to, um, to uproot. Like my mm-hmm. my my son was 4 my daughter was 3 so it's a good good age for us to to take them they wouldn't know anything different um so so mark sort of recommended me to to Lee Billiard who was the the general manager at the time and I had a couple of conversations with them and and, and the owners and this, we decided as a family to to try i mean Boston was an unbelievable city to live in but the football was uh it was different it was eye opening i learned so much on that front it was so transitional it was like watching tennis at times like you like here obviously you 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 brought up watching football on TV back then even when I was there it wasn't really like that you could watch obviously the Premier League and stuff like that on on a Saturday but it wasn't you weren't really brought up on football so Whenever you'd work on tactical work, honestly, I used to pull my hair out because you'd work on maybe a pattern of play and it'd break down on the second, third phase. They just couldn't get it. They just couldn't get it because it's really much about get forward athleticism. So yeah, I had to adapt there. So I think different style of football would probably be the first thing. And their mentality, though, and that's why the US national team has been so successful. Their mentality is on a different level when it comes down to obviously the college and the gym and, and the work ethic there like even like when my kids were as they call it kindergarten like some of the stuff they did like in school you know like we used to do climb up ropes and climb up cargo nets and yeah. stuff like that now you can't do nothing like that here because of health and safety whereas there they do that they do all that stuff at a young age all the core stuff um but yeah that was probably my biggest learning curve was different style of football dealing with different personalities and, I guess, different culture mentality. My biggest regret was I didn't change to the American lingo. Didn't do that first year. And I remember a player coming up to me way through the season I'm saying, you got to get in the back stick. Didn't know what it was. <laughs> You're playing rubbish. <laughs> I, you're listen, playing but, trash. Yeah, but listen, my, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, you've got to adapt to wherever you are. You know, if you're going to a non-English-speaking country, you need to learn the language. If you go, it, like, it was an English-speaking country, and I didn't adapt in that first year to, to like, the terminology that they use. And I regretted that so, so much. So you, that would be my my biggest bit of advice is wherever you go, you got a, you got, like, remember Mickey Bill when you went to um, Sao Paulo? Yeah, his first press know. conference in Portuguese. Unbelievable. So, I think that that tells you all that you need to know. Right, that would be my advice fun. anyway.
2: Got Steve well, McLaren did. of course. Steve McLaren of course. Uh, of course. <laughs>
1: Doing dutch <laughs> <laughs> we have to adapt though Stoney and I, when you go to uh, different countries and play you have to d- adapt your rhythms as well it's quite a weird thing especially I don't know if you noticed that Ian when you go to Holland whereas in this country if you do a gag and people like it they, they'll applaud the gag right but in Holland they go they all go together they go
3: very different. It's really strange. It's different different everywhere though, isn't it? And also words. Also words as well. Yeah. Duvet. I said duvet one night in Holland and they call them comforters. And so the next night you do you say comforter Comforter. and you get a big laugh and you go, right, that's all it was, isn't it? I just didn't know what the hell a duvet was. I thought, it's a continental quilt. We're on the continent. What's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. As it turns out, they don't know what it is. But that's the truth of it. You do have to adapt. Uh, You know, you can't be walking out in, uh, in, I don't know, doing a gig in Estonia talking about riding on the Tube because they won't know what you're on about.
1: you know so, I remember going to America and, and the guy saying, I said, can I have a medium white wine? You talked about that, Matt. Can I have a medium white wine? And he went, we only do the one size. <laughs> That's the truth. I was in New York. We only do the one size. I'm I'll like, have oh. that size
3: then, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, I, remember, I remember being down the Florida Keys
2: my wife, we were in a restaurant. I ordered a. He came up the waiter. So I said, "Can I have a bottle of wine, a bottle, yeah, a whole bottle, yeah." <laughs> oh, yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> do you
2: have a problem, sir? <laughs> no, But new mean... will very very imminently unless you get me
1: the bottle.
4: They bring you bringing a straw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey,
1: might Ask me. Let me ask you a question. When uh, ladies' football, when we talked about Ian's dad and all that. No, and but all those years ago, when football, ladies' football was coming through, it wasn't as, as mainstream as it is now. I, I remember the Doncaster Bells being the team. Whatever
4: happened to them? Yeah, but when they, uh, so the FA changed from the old format to the Super League and it went to a Summer League, and you had to apply. So it come down to financial backing, I guess, come down really? to the money.
2: They didn't have the facilities, Matt. They didn't have the facilities. When I'm doing a commentary, though, and you'll know this, when I'm doing a commentary, the number of players for various teams whatever it is who've been through Doncaster Bells there's yeah. so many of them have played for the Bells you know they're still so, so important
1: It's a shame isn't it that, that that's happened like that it's, I suppose it's like anything with football, when football when the big boys get involved money and I'm going to say that being a lower league fan I, I, I mean do the big teams now transfer from the little teams like you know the likes of the reason that you know I don't know I can't think of it Torquay will never have a great centre forward at the moment because someone will come in and nick that centre forward is, is that happening in ladies football
4: a little bit I think you've got some of the top sides uh, are stockpiling maybe some of the better younger ones um, but it's, it's not really like that Like we, we don't we don't have we like have a WCL Academy which is under 21 and then the next jump down is is under 16s and under 14 so like that, that needs to change. Like my opinion. I think the youth system needs to change. Um, also, Matt, is it about the schools as well? I remember watching watching the uh, the Euros coverage and
3: Wrighty, who obviously has been a massive ally to the to the yeah. women's game, um, talking about, you know, this is an amazing moment. But you got to, the girls have got to be able to play football in school. If they can play football in school, then they can come through and, and experience stuff like the uh, the girls did in the summer.
4: Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, and I yeah. it'd be great if there was school teams at all, all the age groups, like there is for the boys. Um, but the, the FA did they did set up like grassroots stuff, like the Wildcats, which was great, which was yeah. girls only football um, that, that that was available everywhere. Um, so yeah, the, the, the schools the schools need to get on board with it. I mean, as I said, like my experience of the schooling and the sport in America in comparison to here, like it, it, even here as an example, I live in North Wales. And um like the sport they do at this school in comparison to what they did when they was in school in Sussex, like I mean, I remember saying to, to to my son, what's doing PE today when he was in West Sussex, oh we, we bounced the ball and through at each other. And I'm thinking, What? Yeah. And, um <laughs> and uh and then I watched the sports day, and I've never seen so many uncoordinated kids in all my life. It was it, 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 it was scary, really. And and then here they play sport in North Wales, and like it's great. Like he's played rugby, he's played cricket, he's done hockey. Like same as my daughter, they play all, all the sports. Whereas in Sussex, they didn't do that. And I, I can't can't get my head around it.
2: When I was coaching down here, I helped the in Sussex. I helped the FA bring nine v nine in, and some of the councils were good, and some of them couldn't get it. They didn't understand what 9v9 was. They couldn't understand how it benefit the game uh, a certain age group. Eventually, we got it all through. And now, of course, it's it's, it's gone strength to strength, 9v9. But the opposition to, to stuff... I, wonder, I just wonder, I'll ask you a question. How does Liverpool Football Club, the women's football club, differ now from uh, the one that you left uh, a few years back?
4: The first thing I'll say is th- the club were always supportive when I was there before, but... If you look at the the state of the game now, into comparison to when I was there before, it's it's, it's night and day. So from a, from a financial point of view, there's there's more support um, leading from the playing side to even the backroom staff, you know. Um, but but before it wasn't the game wasn't where it is now. So it's, it's, you see on the men's side, you know that that it, it's. The support that I get is second to none. Obviously, we're in the process of um, trying to source our own training ground, and I'm sure there'll be an announcement, you know, coming in the, in the next month or so on on that. So yeah, no, the the support's brilliant, and you know, right away from the top, and, and they want the team to be successful, but. We, it would be done. It's not going to be just be done overnight. It's going to take a, take a little bit of time. So I understand that. I mean, we had a three to five year project when I come in last year. Part of the project now is to to consolidate in the WCL, and then then we keep progressing and moving forward. So, um, but yeah, but both times I've had fantastic support, and it's a great club to work for. It really is.
1: What are you train now? Then, if you're not training at the at the men's gr- gr- ground, if you like.
4: Yeah, we train at um, Tranmere's Training Ground. So we play at Prenton Park in our games, and we we train at um, at, at Tranmere's Training Ground. We've been there, I think, for four or five years now.
1: That's a nice ground that I've played on there. It's a lovely ground, that is. Prenton yeah, Park's brilliant. they've
2: got they've got to get more games into the parent clubs or so the parent grounds of and they mount, whether it be Anfield or Stoney, whether it be the Emirates down there. They've got to get more women's games on in the parent stadium.
3: I think the uh, the uh, Champions League games are all happening. The Arsenal Champions League games are all happening at the Emirates, and uh, yeah. uh, you know as it should be really. And I mean, obviously, <laughs> as far as the Emirates is concerned, I guess the grounds the ground staff are like, oh my god, what more games? Because it looks so beautiful. I mean, I went on the stadium tour, and they said. Do you want to do you want to like go on the pitch? And I said, uh, well, I, w- I wouldn't mind. They said there is uh, the ground staff are in the uh, high up in the stands with a high powered rifle just in case you do step <laughs> yeah. on the pitch. They don't, you, they don't want you anywhere near it. But it looks when you see how close it looks so pristine. But yeah, they absolutely should have the women's games in there as
1: well. Jonathan was saying a few weeks back, uh, it, it, the grounds are that, the, 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 the technology in the pitches is good enough now, surely that you could put the women's on at twelve you know, regularly put women's football on at 12 and then the men come on at three. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, of course. Because I'm, I'm sure then you're there, you case. can have a double wabby, you can have a double ticket all day football, couldn't you? I mean, I don't know, but that seems like an, an obvious idea to me. Would you like to see that, Matt?
4: Oh, I think you've got more chance of winning the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, look, I, I think what we need to do is, uh, is probably, I'd say no, just because, you know, our fan bases are growing and I think... like we spoke about it's a different product and it's a different game it's great Mm. it's great that we're getting to play in the stadiums Um, and and I think that will progress year on year and you're you're starting to see a lot of clubs now that are actually moving their women's team to the stadiums like Birmingham have done it Southampton have done it Leicester Uh, Leicester Leicester yeah so there's a lot of teams that are doing it now and and, and I I think maybe maybe two three years time you might you might see teams playing in the main stadiums I, I mean well there's going to come a point as well where the women's
1: teams are doing b- much better than the men's teams.
4: Yeah, oh well, yeah.
1: So that's going to become an well is it ironic I don't know, but it that you you couldn't argue really that you're saying well we should be playing at Anfield because we're doing a lot better than the men's. And if you're pulling in the numbers, then the men have to go and play at Tranmere. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, lads. Off you go, Brendan Park. Only a few yeah. miles up the road. Yeah, Bore and Wood. There you go.
2: <laughs> I don't think they play enough games, though. You know, I don't think they play enough games. The WSL is small, and and they still don't. You know, Matt will back me up on this. I'm sure. Compared to the money that Barcelona pay and 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 the Spanish teams and Leon, even Manchester City and Chelsea can't compete with them. You know.
4: No, they're, no, no. They're, you nice. Know. No, the 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 top level teams. I was saying this the other day. You, you always see it's generally the same four teams in the, in the semi final and the final, unless they've got each other along the way in the Champions League. Um, and it's like anything. It's the same in men's football. You know, the team that generally spends the most money. You know, you have you have the odd uh, example like Leicester a few years ago. You know, but um, the generally the team to spend the most money they have the best players, and, and that's. But really the league table dictates what you spend and it doesn't matter what goes on in life like that's that's just happens in football doesn't it and it's right the way across the board in every league
2: who did you support when you were a boy we were in Millwall man we
4: were in Millwall not he no, I was a Wimbledon fan growing up. Ah, All All right. Right. No, see, there you go. We used to go to Plough Lane got every... Yeah, we used to go to Plough Lane when um, Harry Bassett was manager.
3: Horrible then, uh, place
4: to go. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, like we used to go in the family enclosure, just to, as you go into the left, where the away support was were well. Yeah. And, um, yeah so we, and then my dad uh, got a job at Millwall and... Um, we, we, me and my brother were both sort of in the centre of excellence, as they was called then, <laughs> and uh, we used to go to watch Millwall on a Saturday after that from about
1: 12.13. Ah, that's interesting, I thought you, well, only because I know Mark, obviously, I thought yeah. he was always just a
4: Millwall fan. Uh, well, it, it, he's a mad uh, Millwall fan now. Well, my he? dad was from Bermondsey, wasn't he? And my dad used to go and watch Man United when he was young, um, and then when he wouldn't go watch Man United they'd go to watch Millwall obviously oh, right. being from Bermondsey so um, but Millwall's been in our life you know such a long time For obviously with my dad's job and Mark playing there um, but yeah Wimbledon because we used to live in Collierswood you see so we used to walk, oh, the from college, walk down Hayden's Road um, and, and, and yeah go go watch Wimbledon and that that, that was great times you had Vinnie Jones Fash you know, so I used to love Colton Fair left winger. Yeah. Um...
2: That that was the first ever Capital goal game I did was at Wimbledon. Wimbledon oh, against Arsenal, opening game of the season. They went on to win the title. Fashionably put Wimbledon ahead, and then Alan Smith got a hat trick. Yeah. Um,
1: were you there, Tony? Got-
3: um, I don't think I was there that season is this 91 or 89 88, 89 18, 88, 89 yeah, no, I don't, no I wasn't I went to quite a few that season but not not away also going to it was hard for the players and it was sort of hard for the fans as well going to Wimbledon it, was, it wasn't Millwall obviously nothing is but um, it was still a bit of a trek for us I love that team though you hey,
1: know, sorry, Stony, Sorry, I was just going. Was that the Mitchell Thomas year? We had to, you had to score two of the two to beat Michael the Thomas. Michael Thomas.
3: Mitchell. Yes, that was the one. That that was the one. I just uh, we chatted to uh, Paul Davis the other day on a podcast I do for the Athletic uh, about his book, and uh, uh, we were talking about that night and about about those years. Lovely, lovely team.
1: You know, I won Sky Star Search that day. There you go. <laughs> I was a winner of Sky Star Search. No one even knew what Sky was. That's how my career has gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Plough Lane. Plough Lane was a, was, a, was an animal, wasn't it? It was an animal. And, so, and the old den as well. Oh, the old den.
2: They had a brilliant, you know, Millwall had a brilliant uh, community system. I think they still do. Uh, absolutely superb. I remember when Peter de Savary, remember when Peter de Savary bought the club and um, he did a press conference, didn't he? And he said, uh, fresh from his yacht. And um, he said he was asking the press conference. You know, has Mill always been in your blood? Oh yes, I remember coming down to uh, Cobble Lane uh, <laughs> with my father, and we used to go to the local hosteries and have a little Shandy before each game. And everyone <laughs> in the room was thinking, "No, that never happened." No, that pie,
1: never happened. Pie, pie mash, liquor, <laughs> <laughs> pie mash and liquor on, vox- on, vox- on Sorry, on S- Southwark Bridge. <laughs> That's what I've done before. My Millwall mates,
0: JP and T, the football friendly. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all, and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at betterhelp.com pause for 10% off your first month.
2: Let's talk about the start of the season overall for the women's game then. You started very well. Uh, Chelsea haven't, have they, really? Um, But there's all a bit of a much of a muchness at the moment.
4: Yeah, I think with Chelsea, they've obviously brought in uh, a lot of players in this off-season. And you, you could definitely see their recruitment process has been about the Champions League, I think. Uh, but it takes time. Look, this is a tough league to play, in you know, especially now, there's not there's no easy games in it whatsoever. Mm. And I think, um, but I think what's happened is obviously contact time with players. It being full time, you know, everyone's getting fitter, stronger. So the games aren't as easy as what they used to be. Um, yeah, and no, it's, it's been an interesting start. I, I think um, obviously Manchester City have have struggled, but when you lose the players that they've lost, Brodn, Stanway, Walsh where, you know, they're they're real tough to replace. You know, I lost Lucy Bronze when I was at Liverpool and you just couldn't replace her. So uh yeah, it's it's gonna be a fascinating year, I think. I, I think there's two or three that can probably break into that Champions League group. Um yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I tell you what's what
1: coming up. sorry,
2: sorry John what a start Manchester United.
4: Yeah no, yeah they've had a good start they've had a really good start they've got some fantastic players I mean I looked at their team against uh, in the County Cup against Villa the other day and that's sort of his second string I wouldn't say second string team but it, it was a strong team so yeah it's, uh, Man United they, they nearly broke into it last year I think I think it'd be between them and who knows what will happen at Man City this year this could be a transitional year for them especially I know from when I was at West Ham we brought in 12 players in my second season but we brought them all in from overseas because we couldn't afford any of the English players. So, um, and it took time for them to settle and bed in new culture, new league. Um, it, it was tough.
2: What was that experience like, at West Ham, West Ham women? With the he
4: was very hands on, wasn't he? Now listen, I got nothing but good things to say about Jack. He he he, he cared. Um, I think the one thing that not a lot of people probably know when, when he was younger, he went and worked in every department at West Ham, so he could understand the running of each department, so club shop, marketing, all, all them types of things. So he got a, a good grasp of how how to run each department in a football club. And I, and I, I and you know when we was talking about that, I thought fair play to him. You know, he didn't need to do that, and he done that off his own back. And and I think he spent a year learning. Um, each, each sort of department but he, he was hands on he was fantastic he was great you know he, he was good to work with because he genuinely cared and he wanted to be successful Um and, and, and I think he's 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 he done he done great during his time there we're talking
2: was, about Jack Sullivan who was had, um, the uh, son of son senior. of
3: he was given the yeah. club wasn't he to uh, yeah. go on then and he's done a good
4: he, job hasn't he is what I'm hearing
2: yeah he was uh, he was only 18 you know when he took that job with the women
4: yeah yeah no, I've, fair I've, enough. I've, I think he commercially brought the most money in ever in women's football at that point. So wow! It just it just goes to show, uh, you know, the job that he did do. And obviously, look, even since then, times have moved on with with our league, etc. Uh, but yeah, no, it 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 was good to work with. It was good to work with.
1: Timing move. I- sorry, sorry. Who was talking? I was just going
3: to say Terry because uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the Super League table for the women uh, it's nice to see Arsenal top of both leagues and, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know what it does give you a th- it really does give you a thrill and you know uh, what can I say I love those red shirts and uh uh, and it was sort of interesting when um when Jonas Idvil signed his new contract. They signed it the same day as uh, as Mikel Arteta. They made the announcement together. And it uh that's the sort of joined up thinking you need, right, Matt?
4: Yeah, no, listen, he's done a great job, uh, Jonas has. He's 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 a funny character on the touchline, but he's, yeah. he's a top, he is a top man. He, 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 funny? He, he. Define funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> Go and watch him. Other spot. Yeah, I'll have do Go have. and watch him. <laughs> uh, now, listen. He's uh, no, he, he, he honestly he's, he's he's a top man. Um, yeah, and I think it's, it was a, a great way to do it. Um, it's funny because like do you remember the start of last year it was the Arteta out brigade wasn't
3: it I, I, I never heard any of that Matt I don't uh, know what yeah, but this is about. what I mean <laughs> <laughs> I know but football fans I mean football I fans are you know what we, we take it very personally and what can you say yeah. it's it's yeah. Uh, it is just the way it is and it was I I thought he was inexperienced. Whether whether he could do the job we didn't know. You know, you see what was going on when Everton bought in Ancelotti and you're thinking, why didn't we go for Ancelotti? Look at the experience he's got, all the champions leagues and all the rest of it. Yeah. But we've all we all have to hold our hands up and go, My God, what an amazing job Arteta's has done. Uh,
4: mm. you no, know it, I just think it probably will hopefully give other managers times in jobs because you can't just go in somewhere and expect that straight away you know it takes time
3: how long does it take what are you talking about i don't know
4: four transfer windows something like that well generally you inherit someone else's squad um then yeah you're probably looking at least three transfer windows minimum yeah try and stamp your own authority on it and like for me last year this is probably a good example, you know, we had a really poor start in the championship, we, I think we won one out of the first four, lost one and drew two, and, uh, it, it took really until, sort of September, for us to really get going, and uh, then we went on a 20 game unbeaten run, um, but even then, like when we had the, rec- with the transfer window in January, and this transfer window, so it's taken me three transfer windows, to get us where I want us to be, um, and, the education that them players had last year, going into this year, like sometimes a penny just drops. They've had a year of it, and they come back in and they know it. You know if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what's happened with 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 Arteta and Arsenal because if you just look at one the togetherness of them. I mean, I've really enjoy watching them play at the moment. Uh, one the togetherness, and I think your example of, of 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 Zaka was was spot on. Like against Tottenham, he, he was the leader on that pitch that day. Yeah. When Party scored that goal, and what a goal it was, but. Yeah, I just think sometimes it it, it it takes a year for for the manager to get stamped their authority on the group and for them to understand. Because what you've got to remember sometimes is players don't choose a manager and it's you've got to win them over at times. And, you know, you, they might not like how it is. And then it's like anything in life. First thing when someone changes something... You, you go against it don't you, you mm. no one likes change no, no, then no. you get to a point of where you maybe you start thinking oh maybe this is actually alright and then they accept it so there's a bit of a process that goes on but um, it does take time it does take time and I, I think that's a great example because you know I, I agree with with Terry I think they will finish in the top four this year 100% do you think uh, the keep? Now.
1: do you think the keepers have got better Matt as well I think when I started watching this football a few years back it, I, I, I'll be honest with you this is terrible to say but I used to th- sit there going oh my god
4: but now, no, no, no. they're they're it's like, the coaching, isn't it? Matt? They're different gear now. They're like they're right up to speed. Yeah, listen, it's like anything. It's it's the, the game's gone professional. You got to remember the the Super League's four years old from being a full time professional league. Yeah. So, um, the contact time day in day out with with, with everything like psychological support, nutritional support, obviously, sports science and strength and conditioning. That's like we spoke about the pace and the power. You know that will come. In, in time, but mm-hmm. it's going to take a little bit of time, mm-hmm. and I think that's maybe sometimes where you, where you got a lot of young players. They pick up a lot of injuries because they don't have the same contact time that the boys' academies do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we need to get up to speed with, especially with some of the young players that we've got, because we've got some exciting players. But the goalkeepers, 100%, have got better.
1: Definitely.
4: because they're fitter, they're stronger, and they're training full-time. And it's like anything. If you're playing football every day, you're going to get better.
2: You've got two different problems as well to deal with, haven't you, in the women's game? I remember Phil Neville saying to me, you know, he, when he when he took over England, he hadn't considered the the um, the mental cycle. He hadn't understood the, the mental needs... Of women footballers are different from men footballers in certain aspects. It's stuff that you know. How did you learn all that?
4: Uh, (laughs) I I think uh, as as time goes, you know, I've got people that work for me that deal with all that. You know, from the physios to the sports scientists to the doctor. Um, the biggest thing for me is I have like, like an open door policy, and if people want to talk to me, they can talk to me. And you know, I, I know my players. I think that's that's the most important thing as as a manager. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing in, in, in women's football is um, we we can't really leave no st- stone unturned. We have to prepare the players as best we can. Um, you know, every session that we do, we set up. You know what the session is, why we're doing the session. Um, so, the, so the detail that we have to go into to prepare the players is, is is a lot more than what we would have to do in 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 the men's game. Um, but, but that that challenges me and it challenges my staff. You know, it makes us you know. Uh, work even harder to make sure that they are prepared there any romances
1: between the girls team and the men's team that's a pathetic question isn't it? but I've got to ask it <laughs> Terry <laughs> I mean really I'm on the wrong channel here aren't I
4: maybe yeah <laughs> the, the only one I know of is Alicia Layman and uh, Lewis at, at Aston Villa and, uh, Layman played for me at um, West Ham
1: see I knew there was a bit of gossip there it's like hello magazine <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's Tony go,
4: Terry. You
1: like my mum then?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I like, to be honest, that happens quite a bit now. To be honest, it's a factor of age.
1: <laughs> it is, isn't that, it? Uh, I yeah. do
3: that quite a lot. I watched. Um, Who was I watching the weekend? I think it was Fulham and uh, not uh, no Leeds Villa, and uh, the kid got sent off for a second yellow card. Oh, Who yeah. just stuck his leg up? And I'm ranting at home. What's he doing, the idiot? Yeah. Why is he doing that? What are you doing? You know when someone makes a foul in the corner when they're boxed in? You go, why are you doing that? Yeah. I do that quite a lot now. And then honest. you go out
1: your chair to get a drink and you went... No, you no, no. Up.
3: No, I'm resisting the noises, mate. <laughs> hey, Pilates, it's good for you. All good right? lad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Last night, I was working with Martin Keown doing a BT game, uh, European Champions League game, and we were talking about the standing off for Arsenal Tottenham last week because I, th- I thought it was a bit harsh at the time. I've seen it since. It's a, na- it's- it's a naughty tackle, but it's I thought it was a bit harsh yeah. at the time. Yeah. But of course, I've, <laughs> I've asked Martin, I said, What do you think, Martin? Do you think it was harsh? And Martin just gave me a Martin Keown glare <laughs> and said, Oh send
3: it off mate. <laughs> that's a red card well it did feel like that you know I once did a radio show with Martin Keown and the, the presenter asked him what it was like preparing for games and he started talking about it and he got that the same energy that he would normally get when he's preparing for games and it was coming off him in waves I mean I genuinely could feel it <laughs> I'm sat next to him going oh my god I mean it was genuinely quite a thing he put, really he putting his
1: boots on wasn't he he was putting his boots on putting the was... shirt
3: on it was a little frightening, if I may say so. I, you know, I, I had no fear that it was going to hurt me, but uh, <laughs> it was impressive, you know, that the energy required to play in those games. Uh, I love Martin, of course I did. I imagine playing against him would have been a nightmare, but, you know, for us, it's fantastic.
2: We were in Brazil, right, for the Confed Cup, name dropping in 2013, and, and Martin went down onto the beach with uh, Damian Johnson. And they were doing a piece of feature on how Martin would mark Neymar. And um, he's, <laughs> he's on the beach. Damien Johnson played Neymar, and Martin played Martin. And there was, this, there was all these Brazilian kids up in the sand dunes, and they were wetting themselves. Okay. They thought this was the most hilarious thing they'd ever seen. <laughs> Martin on the beach, trying to stop imaginary Neymar. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, it's funny. Sorry, Matt, go on. As I say, did he smash him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. That, that's the way you would have dealt with, Name, weren't it? Bang. Yeah,
3: just kick him yeah. in the air. You know what, though? The thing about... I mean, I, I when I met him and I said to him, listen, my favourite moments, and there were two. One, when he scored two goals in a, in a European game, we were 2-0 down. He got the winner in the last minute. And it was just a brilliant... night. No, I can't remember. I think it might have been Shakhtar Donetsk. And the other one, obviously, was Ruud van Nistelrooy. And oh, what yeah. happened at Manchester United, yeah. And it was interesting because from a fan's point of view, we loved it. We absolutely yeah. love what he did. He, at the time anyway, was slightly ashamed of his behaviour. Only slightly, but he was slightly ashamed. But I think as time has gone on, he's sort of realised what it meant to us mm. as fans. Mm. You know, when you see that the players care as much as we do, it is important to us.
1: Is there any Matt, is there any, any times that the girls get a bit fisty on the pitch? We, I've, I've never seen that, but we obviously don't get it on telly all the time. But has there been a point where you better go and go, come on. Leave it.
4: Uh Yeah, like there's there's been a few few occasions. Uh but not, nothing I can I can think of where it's like what, what you was just describing not
3: Keon-esque.
4: <laughs> yeah no but yeah it's, it's like anything you know if there's a few naughty tackles that fly in and, and generally the tackles are there's a lot of innocence with them do you know what I mean but mm. no I, I remember years ago I think it was uh, Becky Easton uh, we was playing Birmingham at home and then she caught I think Jade Moore or, or Joe Potter and then she ended up going through both of them with two tackles and it kicked off a little bit there because they were both down. I think that was 2013, 2014. But apart from that, I mean, you get the odd flare-up, but nothing mm. nothing like you see in the men's game, I don't no. think.
2: No. Blimey, she's taken on two there. To, you wouldn't take on one of them let alone both of them together no,
4: Those... well, bet Becky could look after herself to, to be fair when I played that, that Birmingham team I had Kate Longhouse, Becky Easton in midfield because them two can look after themselves so they were quite direct they were quite obviously working off Rachel Williams second balls and Jade and Joe were two fantastic players but yeah. that's just one incident that I can remember from a game that I played in it was like literally one tackle, two tackle in the same phase and, and it kicked off a little bit
2: well, we're coming, to, we're coming to the end of our time with you, Matt, because I know you've got a busy yeah, day. Yeah,
4: Clippy, that's flown, is yeah. not it? So what, what are your main aims for this season? Main aim is to consolidate in the division, and I, and I, and I think we've definitely got enough to do that within the group that we got. got. Um, but it, it's a tough division, so we've just got to keep our feet on the ground and keep working hard. It'd be great if we could go on the cup run. Obviously, we started well in the County Cup Sunday, um, FA Cup in the new year, so... We just want to do as well as we can in, in, in all the competitions we're in this year um, and, and and see where it takes us.
2: Lovely, lovely, lovely. And Stoney, what about Arsenal? Genuine uh, ambitions?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, Haaland is ridiculous, so I'm not sure anyone's going to finish above Man City. But if we got second this year and we won the Europa League, that would be a fantastic season. In the end, top four is what we want. Because that will progress the club. We'll get another couple in. Um, but I was watching. I was watching Chelsea Milan last night, and I I thought we're as good as these teams at the moment. That's my genuine feeling about it. I think we have got some serious talent in that team. I think Saliba could be one of the best centre halves I've ever seen. Genuinely, oh. he's only twenty one. It's, it's ridiculous how good he is. Oh. As I said, Jesus has lifted the clubs. Inchenko as well. There's a lot of positivity. Um, how far this team can go, I don't know, but they're ambitious and they're giving us a good time at the moment and that's, oh, that's all we really want. Oh, that's
2: brilliant. Yeah, I don't fancy the bloke alongside Saliba. I watched Saliba progress in French football, you know, doing the French with BT, but I don't fancy the fellow alongside. So I think it's too many mistakes in the game.
3: Gabriel, make is, yeah, but you know what? Ben White might move back into the centre. You know, Tommy Asu can come in. Uh, I mean, I think Ben White is becoming a really, really good player, actually. He got highlighted by right on match of the day at the weekend and rightly said, so, um, I, I just, I love the young talent in the team. I'll be honest yeah. with you, I love watching Saka and Martinelli and Emil Smith-Rowe when he gets back in. Odegaard's only a kid. It's mm-hmm. really fun. I, do you know what? Genuinely, I haven't had this much fun watching Arsenal. And I, and I know this is crazy, but since the late 80s, early 90s Jules Graham team. You know, the Invincibles, all wow. that lot. Invinci- they were great, but we used to turn up. It was like a theatre show. You know, we'd all sit there going, how many goals are we going to get today? Whereas seeing young players come through from your academy and, and, and make it in the, in the main game, Saka is a hero. I just don't, Not just to Arsenal fans, I think to the whole country. But well, really. you sound like
1: you've got a team. That's what you sound like. We've got, we have got a team.
3: And, right. and the whole club... And I, and I include the women's game in this as well. The whole club is moving in the right direction. Mm. It's, uh, it just, you'll have to stop me talking about this because I could do this for another hour. <laughs> I'll be think, honest with you. But know you know what? You can see how much I love watching it at the moment. It is really a joy to go down and I can't wait for the next game.
1: Well, thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks for joining us as well. And you know Cheers, what? Tony. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, man. Peter D'Savery
2: is around to take us out for a drink in his favourite <laughs> cat. <laughs> Down in <Bilbo>. ah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See you, Matt. Nice to meet you. Anyway, Stony, tell us about comedy. Comedy. Let's just be co- co- comedy. <laughs> Let's not <we> do football. <laughs> How was Edinburgh? Because I, I didn't go up this year. You did, didn't you?
3: I did. I went up and I had the best time. Honestly, I did the Free Fringe. I did uh, that. It's the best thing to do, the Free Fringe. The Free Fringe, I absolutely loved it. I'd go and chat people up in Bristow Square every day and a hundred people would turn up. And and what was lovely, I'll tell you what was absolutely lovely about it, was about ten minutes in, because some of them knew who I was, but quite a lot of them didn't, about ten minutes in, I could see the looks on their faces looking at me going... You really know what you're doing, don't you?
1: And I'll be like, <laughs> Yeah, I do. Yeah. Of and course, because most free fringe, no disrespect <laughs> to the guys, but they're new comics, yeah. they don't really know what they're doing, and then when they you get there, you're going, Oh god, what have we done? Of course, yeah. and I'm not blowing it up because he's me mate. He's sh- this kid's shit up, right? I mean, I, last time we worked together in Southend, we hadn't worked for a while, have we? And I I text him straight away when I got home just saying it was a it was a masterclass. Oh bless you, mate. Yeah, he's no, a masterclass, You're a brilliant comic, mate. I, and I, I, and I, I know that's Sounds arseley, and we are pals. And I'd say this to your face, off of off of here. But I want the world to know how brilliant you are. So ah, well, I imagine their faces. It was
3: lovely. It was genuinely lovely. And I got and I, I sort of almost handpicked them to a certain extent. I mean, I got <laughs> like a I jury. Got, you know, yeah, yeah, you'll be a good audience. And but also, of course, I'm looking for people who've got a bit of money to give me as well. You know, I don't, I, <laughs> oh yeah, you I, got I got love the, the odd... kit. The odd young person, but in the end, I want uh, in the end, I want people who are a bit older. I mean, the general motto. The general motto of the show is: if you can get up the stairs, you can come and see the show. Right? <laughs> Essentially, but that's and, a great opener anyway. to Get pictures. in. It is. And and uh, and so I do the show, and they'd be obviously they delighted. They had a great time. And at the end, you have to do a bucket speech, basically, and I and I talk about all right. This is the um, the slightly awkward moment in the show when a Jewish man asks a predominantly Scottish <laughs> audience for money. Right? So, Tight, tight. Well, let's Don't. see. Let's see who blinks first. <laughs> and, um, and they'd uh, and they'd give me money at the end of the show, and they'd buy the book as well, which is lovely. Oh, yeah, and the book.
1: The book Tell us about the
3: book. to the, the book. Uh, the book's called cool "To Be Someone." It's part social history, part autobiography, and part love letter to Paul Weller and the Jam. It's brilliant. And, uh, Carry and, um, on. And, and Paul Weller gave me a quote for the front cover he, he actually phoned me up he said I really like this book I've forgotten how shit it was in the 70s bless him <laughs> and that's on the front and so you know the, the whole Edinburgh experience was fun and I'll tell you how much fun it was I said to my missus Rosie near the end I said I think I want to come up next year and she looked at me she went okay and she's never said that before <laughs> so I had a brilliant time Terry and I'm
1: going back oh, wicked 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 oh, well I'll see you up there I'll see yeah. you up there Brilliant, yeah. Stoney. When I'm out with my mates watching watching Terry,
2: and he, he, he's good enough, you know, to meet them afterwards and chats with them afterwards, and they all wait till he's gone to the loo or something like that, and they all turn around to me and go, "He is seriously insane, isn't he?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's not an act. It's not an act.
3: <laughs> well, I remember the show a few years ago when um you, I. It was you and uh, Johnny Sperling doing a show. Oh, God, yeah. You remember Don't that? speak to Johnny anymore, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Not the a two show. Johns. Yeah, um, I can't... It, there was there was a moment when you were, you were sitting on stage, sort of rubbing your head, and there was a lot of sweat coming off it, right? And I thought, <coughs> Kurt, I thought, Colonel Kurtz. That's what I thought, right? I thought, Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now. I thought, oh, my God. But yeah. it was... And you were wearing eyeshadow as well. Oh, yeah, the
1: old eyeliner days. <laughs> At
3: the time. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, it is a, it is it? It is an act. It's not, and it is. But that's the same for all yeah, of us, John. Yeah.
1: Well, to be honest with you, it's, you a, the, it's a mixture. The best thing you was we were talking earlier about because uh, Paul Daniels, who was our producer, he um, in his own words, he faked his own death because he was bored of doing magic, and then came back. producing <laughs> hey. well, Thank you. Yeah, that's Paul. Anyway. um... Well, he was saying. I was. I said to him. Uh, he was saying about he does uh, Andrew Bird's podcast. Yes, and we were in the comedy store once, Jonathan. Listen to this, right? And uh, there was Marcus Birdman and Andrew Bird, right? And they were having a drink at the bar. And I've just gone, oh my God, oh, you've got yes. to stay there. Oh, stay yes. there, right? Oh, yes. And I've legged it into the dressing room because we're on at the comedy store together and I've got stone in. I went, quick, quick, quick. And I've got a photo of th- those two, either side of him, oh, it's two birds with one stone. <laughs> yes. yeah. get in. Yeah. Terry was
3: so happy. You've got to come out. You've got to come out. What Why? I? am just sitting here. Doesn't matter. Just come with me. Stand <laughs> me next birds. to Birdman and, my- and Andrew Bird. That's right. I remember. Two yeah, birds
1: but- one stone.
3: <laughs> Yes, I do remember. Yeah, Dub, it's all good. I'm having a good time, really. I, I yeah. mean, can't believe they let me get away with it. I'm Still talking shit after 30 years.
1: Nah, you're brilliant. You're Thanks, brilliant, mate. You are. So am I. So am I on the telly, Stony. Yeah, it's Have all right. Isn't it? it's yeah, all right. you're brilliant as well. It's all right, isn't it? We just do it. You do something
3: you love, and you you keep going, and uh, you think, well, this could be worse. You know, even yeah. when I'm even when I'm driving, I went to Milford the other day. I thought I was going to a place. Milford? Mil- is
1: that got a lot of middle-aged no, women who are very no, sexy? Oh hey, my god! No. I'm here all week. I did it on purpose. <laughs> I did it on purpose. I well, was a crap I... joke. It's like when someone goes, "Where are you from?" They go, "Where?" You go, "Where?" I'm not, I did it on purpose, didn't I? <laughs> Where are you from? Tring, tring, tring. Tring. I did it on purpose. Where are you going? I'm going to Abu Dhabi. Abu dhabi do scooby Scooby-dooby-doo. I'm doing them on purpose. Go on, you went to Milford.
3: I did. I went to Milford. But I thought it was the one near Farnham. But it turns out it's Milford-on-Sea. I mean, the on-Sea should have been a clue. To be with you. So where was it then? Well, it was in the, the one on-Sea. But it was an extra 70 miles each way. And I'm driving uh... down there thinking, oh, what am I? But actually, when you get down there and people laugh at the jokes and they buy the book afterwards, what do you think?
1: Well, there are worse things. Isn't that a thing that you go in the car and you're sitting there going, oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then you come off that stage, if you've had a cracker, you, it's the greatest thing in the world. The whole next day, you're just bouncing around. But if you have a stinker, Well you get back in the I car? Don't going, I don't know. I don't know what uh, that's like, Terry. I don't oh, know. I, don't, I know what it's like <laughs> to crash the car, mate. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you, uh, you uh, well, there we are. That's JPNT, the football friendly for another week, Jonathan. It is, and you've got all the details to what they have to do. To they that. can like us, Jonathan, and they can find us on wherever they get their podcast. It can be on a smart speaker or on a smartphone. Jonathan's not very good with tech, and also there's a thing called Twitter. Jonathan, you've heard of that, haven't you? We've got no. one. We've got we've got one, which is JPNT at football. No, at JPNT football. At JPNT football. I've got it right <laughs> there. There's me giving you. Giving you stick, and I don't even know myself. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Graham Leso. Graham Leso talking about World Cup 1998 in the build-up to Qatar and World Cup 2002. We
2: are having that little mini series on JPNT and the Football Friendly. So uh, the, the the legend that is Graham Leso will be talking to us. He's a lovely guy. Thanks for Beardy and thanks for Stony.
0: A podcast from producer Paul Sports Social Podcast Network.